Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, help get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has lost all sense of time. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, it's a uh, it's a dark and gloomy uh, vortex that we float through here. Uh, days become nights. Uh, work uh, shorts that aren't on camera become sleeping pajama shorts. It just all blends into uh, blends into a, one another. I do I do break it up with the occasional cycle shorts. I got the ones with the padding. You know, that's that's listeners, especially our male listeners. Vital. That's vital. It's vital not only to break up your day by putting on different shorts, but also vital to the protection of key areas. If you're gonna you're gonna be cycling these times, Gerald, how are you? I am good. I've I've gotten into a routine where like I'm showering in the morning. Like that's my thing. It's like I shower in the morning, put on. I may not put on actual like outside clothes, but I definitely put on a t-shirt and a new set of basketball shorts. Uh, and we are, I got a three-year-old, so like we're getting routines and chores with him. And so it's like, all right, bud, make your bed, brush your teeth. So dad has to make his bed and brush Fair. his teeth every day as well. So it's, it's forcing me to be a not disgusting human being, which I'm totally, uh, totally okay with. Um, we come to you a day late because, uh, well, me and 86 of my closest neighbors were without power for several <laughs> hours on our normal recording evening. I was doing my post-work workout and we lost all power. And that's what it is. But we came to you on one of the greatest anniversaries in maybe one of the greatest days in Texas, uh, Texas history, one of the anniversary days. So a year ago, men's tennis won a national championship. Two years ago, baseball team wins a Big 12 baseball title. And it's also it also just happens to be the day after the man himself, Vince Young's birthday. So it's been it's been a good couple of days, Kyle, for the University of Texas. Bathe in the glory of, of, of burnt orange victories past. Uh, hopefully, you know, we get sports and there's there's ones in the future. I, I have said it on a, almost every podcast during this quarantine, but we were like, we were en route for some potential national championship teams all over the, the 40 acres. The spring semester was shaping up to be a great one. So it is, uh, UT is as affected by this from an athletic perspective as any school in the country. Yeah, and I think... Uh... A lot of those players are coming back next year with the extra eligibility. So I think Texas uh, may have something to say for a lot of sports next year. So we got a couple of quick recruiting things we'll talk about. We're also going to do, we're again, keeping the hope alive that football is happening in 2020. The th- things are shifting and moving. So we're going to talk some bold predictions for 2020. Uh, and then we'll obviously down the 40, bang the drum. And we may even squeeze in a Godzilla-tron for good measure but we're going to start with some recruiting so texas had a a decent sized i won't call it big but a decent sized day last week picking up two 
commitments from a couple of players. Well, one that we've been following for a while and one that kind of came out of left field. Uh, Three-star running back Jonathan Brooks out of Hallettsville committed to Texas. And at basically the same time, uh, three-star wide receiver Casey Kane out of uh, Easton High School in New Orleans committed to Texas. So we'll start with uh, Brooks. Brooks is a guy that I've been following for a while. I'm a big fan of his film. So six foot one, 185 pound running back out of Hallettsville, little old Hallettsville, uh, Texas. But the guy can, can tote the rock. He was all district as a sophomore district MVP as a junior. Thanks in part to his 1300 yards and 24 touchdowns in his junior campaign. So, uh, the guy can find the end zone. That's for sure. Yeah, he, uh, you, you actually, I remember, Gerald, very early on kind of were, were on this guy's tape um, before he was especially prevalent on the scene as a really hot UT commit. You said you liked the tape, you like what you do, you seem like one of those guys. Um, you know, uh, I, I will say this, um, one thing to know, because we are first and foremost, nothing if not a kicking and punting podcast, he was a first team uh, all-state punter uh, as well as being such an elite athlete so uh you know remember colt mccoy's pooch punts um i I hope we can get this guy all over the field um but uh, according to an interview i found with victoria advocate he said quote they haven't talked to me about punting uh if i learned more stuff about it and got better i'd do it so you know just keeping the keeping the punting options open uh probably the most important angle for this particular podcast his, his, if you go watch his tape, his tape screams of like, I'm the best kid, uh, best athlete yes, at my yes. school, period. And so he kind of plays everywhere. And uh, because of that, his technique needs a little touching, needs a little tweaking. Um, but he does a lot of the things that you can't coach. He can make himself small in in holes. He uh, can put, run through contact. He's got pretty, pretty decent speed. He can definitely uh, break away. I think they call that runner from the cops speed uh, <laughs> in certain circles. But like he's he's got a lot of the the athletic things that you can't really coach. And so. Um, I think some of that's what Stan Drayton sees in him, right? There are a lot of people like, what does Stan Drayton see in him? And I think it's this guy has a lot of the physical tools. He just needs a decent running back coach. Yeah, it's curious, right? Because against the competition he's playing against, he does look, you know, like a monster. His, his tape is crazy. Um, but, you know, if you look at him, his his numbers and compared against, he may not be the fastest guy, but you can see a vision. Um, I've heard a couple comparisons to like a Selvin Young, um, which, you know, I'd be happy with uh, a great player at Texas. Um, But, you know, a player who just kind of knows how to, how to get in there, you know, as opposed to some of the guys who just flat run, you know, four threes uh, all day, you know, he, he just knows how to find a crease and, and is, is game speed fast. So uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm always like when one of us, you know, gets, gets giddy and in love with a recruit early on um, and then to watch them for four years oftentimes you know sometimes they work out sometimes they don't but it gives you that bragging rights so Gerald I, I'm going to give you full honors and bragging rights on this one this dude was yours before I'd ever even heard of him you were you were telling me about him so uh, big day for you as well as for him I appreciate it I mean it's hard to ignore a guy who scores 15 touchdowns in four playoff games I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there in the world Fair uh, so the other commitment the other three star that Texas landed uh, is a three-star receiver Casey Kane out of uh, Easton High School in New Orleans, 6'2", 175. This was a, a little bit of a weird one. I'm going to be honest with you, Kyle. There's there a lot of, of conversation about uh, about Casey Kane. Uh, he projects to that outside receiver uh, prototype that Tom Herman offenses really love, but I just this this one, 
again, I, I love, love, love um, that the coaches are, are grinding the tape and really trying to trying to find kids. But this one just um, it felt it, it felt a little off. Yeah, I mean, we, we we posted on the show about you know we took two two three stars within a you know ten minute span basically. Um, we we posted just a couple uh, from the show account of the three stars who've gone on to have exceptional uh, UT careers and then even you know world class NFL careers. Our Earl Thomas comes to mind, um, but uh, you know it, it's it's. Uh, it's a mix of getting the elite athletes and then the guys you see something in, you see they're undervalued. You see, you know, the guy whose tape shows something, obviously size, the ability. Uh, it's tough to judge. Again, when you're better than the guys you're playing just to jump ball. Um, I think I texted you jokingly saying it, it looks like they're playing a game of jackpot every time his quarterback just kind of launches it up, uh, shouts jackpot, and then he jumps up and grabs it over guys, which, hey, I, I don't mind that skill set of high-pointing the ball. Um, I, I also uh, i am going to give this kind of newer coaching staff here the benefit of the doubt see see how this turns out um but you know he's he's not like when you think about your your brennan eagles like a big tall guy who's also you know wildly fast or also big i mean he's i think 230 something this guy's only about 175 so he's outside big but lanky and then only four seven ish speed so it'll be curious to see if this you know uh, senior season is is all good to go if he uh, is able to separate and really show something um on the senior tape that we can see but again a player who's got the size um i think uh you know has has something there that that will be we'll be watching to see what how he breaks into the team yeah and and mike yersich um at least according to conversations casey kane recounted Compared him to a guy, and Texas fans might not be super familiar with him, uh, but Tyron Johnson at Oklahoma State, who wasn't, you know, he wasn't the 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 All American, but he had like two eight hundred yard seasons. Like it was the guy was the guy was a solid possession receiver, um, and you need those. And and we're not going to be down on kids and ever, but yeah. especially until we've seen them uh, strap it up against other collegiate players. And so um, there are a lot like. I'll just be a TCU beat the beat the mess out of Texas with three star kids for years, right? Like TCU, they made they made bank off of three star kids, and so if Texas can find these diamonds in the rough and then polish them, then I'm all for it, right? Um, so I'm I'm excited to see with this coaching. I trust Mike Yurcich. I trust Andre Coleman. At least I haven't seen anything that tells me not to trust them. Uh, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, and and I think he actually went to the same school as uh, as Tyron Johnson in in Louisiana, and and you know Tyron Johnson's carved out. He hasn't been a prolific NFL receiver, but he's made teams. Right, he's been in the NFL for a couple of years. So you know, there you go. If he's an NFL type receiver that we can uh, he can turn into over a couple of years at the University of Texas, then uh, that will be that's usually a pretty good sign. So uh, again, like you said, uh, I'll I'll trust Yersich until I have a reason not to. So uh, let's get him in. I love it. So speaking of new coaches and expectations and, and trusting them, let's look at 2020, Kyle. And I asked you to come up with one bold prediction for each side of the ball. So there are there are things moving. The tea leaves are shifting. The conversations are happening that make, make us feel more and more confident every week that there will be college football in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. on Saturdays. And so we've got to start looking at next year. We're going to start – our team previews here in the next few weeks. And so let's, let's get bold, Kyle. I want to have some hope. I, we're in a season where we need hope and we need optimism. And so 
What's one? We'll start with the offense. Kyle, what's your bold prediction for the offense in 2020? Gerald, I just want to point out that I coined the term, obviously, for myself because it is is appropriate um, and proved to be very poignant uh, last season that I was uh, Podge Tradamus. Um, And so not only am I going to be bold, but I'm going to go ahead and throw myself out there and be specific. Being bold and being specific is a key part in my mind, to, to goal setting. I believe goals, you know, I follow the SMART uh, method, should be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So there we go. I'm going to give you the SMART, bold, and uh, specific goal. I mentioned him earlier, the mascot. Brennan Eagle sounds like a high school team. Mr. Eagles, flying like the aforementioned Eagle, is going to have a big year in 2020. In fact, he's going to have a very specifically big year. He's going to have 78 catches, Daryl, for 1,200 yards, averaging 15.4 yards per reception and nine TDs on the season. Now, you, you may be wondering, like, why are you just throwing malarkey out there, Kyle? I don't truly understand what you're doing. Well, let me just say this. For the number one receiver at the University of Texas the past two seasons, you have seen basically um, a a shift that has gone something from single digits to a pretty good 30 to 40 kind of catch uh, season that is is the launching pad for a breakout season. And and I'm just going to show you a couple uh, examples here. Little Jordan Humphrey, many remember him, a fan favorite. Uh, His sophomore year kind of was when he introduced himself. uh, 37 catches, 431 yards, one touchdown. He springboarded to the the NFL, uh, whether it was the right decision or not, on on his stellar junior year with 86 catches, uh, just shy of 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, improving his average to just shy of 14 yards per catch. He went up 132% in receptions, 173% in yards. Those numbers will matter. Uh, Devin Duvernay, another example here. Um, his, his junior year kind of was when he, he, you know, we knew him as a recruit, but when we got to know him as a player with, uh, 41 catches, 546 yards and four touchdowns, a good solid year. Um, but clearly led a lot of people to believe that he would be the breakout candidate senior year. And, and truly he was 106 uh, catches, 1,386 yards, nine touchdowns. And again, about a 13 yard, uh, per catch average. That was 158% increase 153 percent in the yard so you're looking at it it, you know somewhere in the 140 to 150 range basically in all of these so now you look at brennan eagles 32 catches for 522 yards average 16 yards actually uh with six tds which was more than either the two guys for their breakout year but still um i i went conservative here 143 split the difference between the uh percentages on receptions 143 percent will take you from 32 to 78 and on yards uh again uh went extra conservative there just because if he's going to convert more to a possession receiver you know it'll be different than just the the streaking down the the line that he's been he's made his uh bread and butter for so i, I went a little lower only 130 percent uh increase whereas we had 170 153 for the other guys so with those percentage increases remember being conservative based on the recent trend uh we we're looking at i will repeat them once again 78 catches 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, a 15.4 yards per reception for breakout candidate junior season, Brennan Eagle. I love it. That's I love the data that you put into that, Kyle. I I absolutely 
uh, do. Remind me after the show to introduce you to STRAM goals, by the way. We'll talk about that uh, later. Hashtag, I work in organizational development, so training is what I do. So I, I, I like that because I think Eagles is definitely poised for a breakout year, and I think um, – Ellinger is a guy who has some trust in Eagles. Now, uh, if Brendan Eagles can secure those on the first grab or the first touch, I would be much more, uh, much happier camper. So uh, mine may not be as bold or as specific as Kyle's, but I think Keontae Ingram is going to hit 1,200 rushing yards Hmm. this season. I think Keontae Ingram is going to hit 1,200 rushing yards in 2020. And that's based off of, um, it's more anecdotal, Kyle. I'm going to be really <laughs> honest with you. But so in his time at Oklahoma State, Mike Yersich had one player reach 1,000 yards, and that happened twice for that player in 2017 and 2016. Justice Hill, 1,142 yards as a freshman, uh, 1,400 plus yards as a sophomore didn't quite get there his a junior year he would have made it but he uh, had some injury troubles he still in spite of missing three games had 930 yards so he was on pace for somewhere in the range of I mean another 1300 yard season so I don't think I don't think Keontae Ingram is Justice Hill good I I, I would not say that Justice Hill is, gonna, is, is, a, is a really good running back, one of the best in the country for several years. I think Yadra Ingram could, but what we've seen from him doesn't put him in the Justice Hill category. But if you look at the other years of Mike Yersich, the guys that he was able, he got 800 yards at a Desmond Rowland. He got 700 yards at a Desmond Rowland. He got 500 yards at a Chris Carson. And then Justice Hill stepped on the scene. I am willing to say that Keontae Ingram is better than whoever Desmond Rowland is. And in a Mike Yersich offense, the guy likes to run the ball. And so based, I, I am willing to say that he is at least 400 yards better than Desmond Rowland. I, I like it. I like how you got there. Um, you know, it, I, you went with the gut. I, I went with the numbers. That's typically not always the, the case. Usually we flip no. it. Um, but, but I like how you got there. My, my single concern with that is I think there will be running. I just wonder if Keontae is going to get all of it, if Roshan's nipping at his heels, and if Bijan uh, gets a chance to be unleashed as a freshman, uh, or if Ellinger, you know, with, with only one year remaining decides to put team on his back dough but uh yeah i i i'd like that i like i think whew, i think that's good man i i like the idea of of that being a very realistic thing that's that's a nice a nice pick gerald i like it i appreciate that i and i don't think that i'll be this may be a controversial opinion as well i don't think texas is as successful as they are if sam ellinger has to put the team on his back yeah so i i would love to see them uh be way more like don't don't put your Heisman caliber quarterback uh, under that level of punishment. Uh, now, if he chooses to, whatever. But uh, I don't necessarily think that the, there'll be there'll be more opportunities. I think for running backs, and I think Keontae has shown that he can be a number one in and of itself. So I, I would like to see that. So Kyle, flip to the defense. All right. What do you think? So I, <laughs> this one is a little bit more general. Um, I, I don't have a, a specific prediction that I'm putting quite so specifically as I did on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to say Texas defense will be improved, obviously, and Texas defense will finish um, in the top three in both uh, yards allowed 
and points allowed. Okay, so so where, where how am I getting there? So if you look back at the past decade, um, it it hasn't been the single best decade in, in, in Texas football history. And, and some of that comes from just, you know, obviously there's good offenses in the big 12, but I mean, everyone plays good, good offenses in, in the same conference. So it's kind of a wash there when you look just from a conference perspective. Um, they also have played some, uh, some, some good out of conference teams, but you know, the other teams do as well. So I'm not giving them a pass, but in the, in the past decade, they finished uh, in either of the two sections, right? And yards allowed or points allowed. They finished only either first or second three uh, four times, excuse me. Um, in yards, they did it in 2014. They were second. In 2011 and 2010, they were first in yards allowed. In 20, in that same 2011 year, they were second um, in in points allowed. And only one other time being in 20 or in 2014 um, and 2017, two times, excuse me, they were third uh, in points allowed. So so they've had five seasons total where they've been in the top three, two where they were first and one um, where they were second. So they, they haven't really had a decade of being one of the best. Uh, the last kind of elite, if you will, season top three in the Big 12 was the year that Todd Orlando arrived. We've talked about this. 2017, they were third in both categories. Um, they, they quickly fell. Um, they, they finished last season seventh in points allowed and eighth in yards allowed. Remember, the Big 12 is a misnomer, only 10 teams in it. So that's not real good. Um this is where Chris Ash comes into play, right? And and, and, and the thing I want to look at is, is not just his time um, at Ohio State, which I think is the most obvious yet NFL talent equal there, um, but also looking at his times with at Arkansas uh, and it, it Wisconsin. I mean, he... Uh, his, his 2011 going all the way back defense that same year was fourth nationally, gave up, you know, almost 130 yards less than Texas that season. Um, you know, 13th in scoring defense. He, he basically, I mean, Wisconsin, they, they like to play some defense, but he basically has been a top 10, top 15 nationally guy his entire career. That's what got him to Ohio State. That's basically, you know, what, what turned him into the hot defensive coordinator and then uh, head coaching for, for a brief spell prospect in the country and teams that were great in third down defense, great in sacks uh, tackles for loss at the Ohio state team. So those things, the change in system, the talent we have, the maturity of the players, you know, we've talked about a lot, just being a year older and what that does. Um, I, I, I think basically I'm predicting that we uh, end up in the top three in both uh, the the yards allowed and points allowed as we did in Todd Orlando's first year. I would love to pass that first year up and be one or two in either of those categories. I like it. I like it. And, and I think that the the way Texas is shifting and the talent they have on defense uh, could potentially allow that, especially, uh, I mean, we say this every year, especially with the quarterback the transition at OU, right? Uh, I think that, that could be a thing. Again, I'm going to stop saying that because it's never the case that <laughs> Oh, you has a drop off at quarterback. So mine is mine is a little more specific, Kyle. Uh, mine is actually probably on the level of specificity, not as data driven as yours, uh, but your offensive one. I think Caden Stearns is going to have six interceptions this season. Okay. Uh, so as a freshman, he led the team in interceptions with four. Right. Two years prior, I believe the number was, or just the, the previous year actually, Deshaun Elliott led the team with six interceptions, and that was with. Um, a, a pass rush that may, may, may or may not have been uh, as up to the standard. Under uh, Chris Ash at Ohio State, a man named Von Bell had six interceptions in his first year under Chris Ash. And I, 
I think Caden Stearns is a really talented player, and I think the defensive backs are going to benefit quite a bit from an increased pass rush. I think quarterbacks are going to be less comfortable in the pocket. I think that's going to give the defensive backs a lot of freedom. And I don't know if you know this, but our defensive coordinator also coaches the safeties. And so I feel like the safeties are going to have a big step up. And I think as the leader of the defense, I really feel like Caden Stearns is going to have a big, big year. And so I'm calling for six picks from the Wolf of DKR. I love that. I love instead of pick six, we got six picks. Um, Pick a quick six picks pack. A six pack? I don't know. I just, you know, I'm trying here. Anyways, that's uh, that's beautiful. Um, Caden Stern's out here raising funds in the offseason and hopefully will be stealing fun uh, during the season. That's from quarterbacks. So I, I got puns, Gerald, and I'm ready to unleash them just like Caden Stern's will be unleashed on Big 12 offenses. I mean, DB's moneymakers, right? That's that's what they, uh, they say before games. So uh, we'll find out, one, if we have football, and two – if these uh, come to pass, I feel like we should write these down, Kyle. Uh, maybe we'll write it down uh, after. Our, our, our listeners who, who are so uh, dedicated, write, write these down and tweet them at us if we're right. Tweet them at cold text exposed if we're wrong uh, and, uh, and hold us accountable. We're, we're, we're putting the onus on you. USC fans tried to cold takes us on the dumbest thing in the world. Do you remember that? Uh, when... the, the Horace Brew McCoy saga, correct? Yeah, because we tweeted that about brew coming to Texas. And then they're like, ha we're going to cold takes expose you. Cause he got sick and went back home. But, but like, he, he did come to Texas though. So we, he did come to Texas. We, we like, were you guys right. are stupid. <laughs> so that brings us to the part of the show where we kind of just do our news dump. Cause there's not really anything else going on. Uh, and we down the 40. So first things up, these are student athletes. So, the NCAA released its multi-year academic progress rate, which basically uh, is a measure of uh, how quickly your uh, or how quickly or how successfully, I guess, your student athletes are matriculating through the uh, their academic career. And Texas had all 20 sports meet the standard uh, required for multi-year APR, which is great. But I really want to call out. There were three perfect scores, men's and women's tennis, which again, we're a men's tennis podcast and the soccer team. So big ups to them Uh, and the 217 student athletes that were selected as academic all big 12. We love to highlight uh, when the students take the forefront. And I love seeing this. Uh, The, the student part is, is just as important as the athlete part. Yeah, that's uh Man, we I don't know how many times we have said that, but that's that's hopefully a theme, and you keep hearing it. We keep hammering it home of how uh, how we believe on this podcast, and that's that's amazing. My my favorite part uh, of that was looking at at the other schools and using that as a bit of a metric for uh, you know how how they rank. Um, o- OU was was not um, particularly close to us um, at one seventy seven. Uh, ahead of them were West Virginia, Oklahoma State. So there's some. Uh, state bragging rights um baylor and kansas at number two only 10 behind texas good for kansas um but at the very bottom i do want to point out both of the purple schools bringing up the tail tcu at 123 and k-state at 162 don't mess with us purple schools you may have some wizardry get get out of here but we we got you on the brains so get out of here purple schools get 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 on get on so We've been talking a lot about the the shifting tides that give us hope that there's football. So Tom Herman and the staff are back on campus, Kyle. Um, 
They they've been on campus. They were the pilot group for the nearly fifty page uh, and as coaches sports returning to, to campus guidebook that was put out there. So they definitely were the pilot. They're on campus right now. There are some stringent things that they have to do to keep uh, keep everyone safe and healthy, but. That's a good indication. In addition to the NCAA, who will be voting on Wednesday to basically kind of relax the measures that are in place or kind of letting them expire at the end of May, paving the way for a June 1st uh, kind of return or potential return to athletics. Yeah, I so yeah, that, that 48-page uh, dossier you, you mentioned. Um, the, the My favorite part was the um, they had a, a kind of test uh group that they allowed to go early just for the purposes of of being able to to you know be a, a control group to go early so last week um they actually let the football staff back on on campus at the end of the week before anyone else just again to test um how, how it was going to work but I, I think it's great it, it is that um somewhat of a return to normalcy i watched uh some some german uh bundesliga soccer because it was live sports it was an empty stadium but it was real live sports it's a bit surreal but uh something besides uh, korean baseball and belarusian soccer um we're, uh, we're we're you know back in real live sports so it's 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 something of of understanding a new normal and, and back to what we used to know as normal so it's um it's exciting nonetheless it is exciting kyle <laughs> because if there are no sports i don't i like I love I love my life. I have an incredible life. I absolutely love my life. But part of what I love about my life is is Saturdays in the fall and winter. Mm. Uh, one of my it's it's a great pastime. I love my kid is finally old enough. I think to sit and watch football, or at least will be by the time football comes around. So like I'm gonna really I'm really looking forward to the football season, and I I really need it, Kyle. I'm gonna be really honest with you. But priorities keep people safe. So if we have to make sacrifices. We have to make sacrifices. Uh, 24-7 Sports, 24-7 Sports, our friends, uh, put together their top college football national champions. Uh, and the Texas team from 2005 came in as number two behind a team that everybody widely regards as the greatest college football team of all time, or one of them, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. That feels fair. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue a lot on that. I'd love for that to be the number one team. It was the number one game, I think, for sure. Uh, but I, I, I don't hate that just because that 01 Miami team had like 76 NFL players on it. It was nuts. They had guys serving Gatorade on the sideline who went on to be, you know, like pro bowlers in the NFL. Um, you know, I think their cheerleaders may have got a couple snaps in the league. That team was just rife with NFL talent. When you look back on it, it's crazy they didn't win every game by 80 points. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay okay with that i think that's i think that's honestly perfectly within the the margin of error if it's not one it's two i'm okay with that yeah and and again if there's one team to be behind it's that uh that team sporting news put out their top 25 texas came in at number 13 that feels fair uh especially because they're ahead of AM at 17 slightly behind oklahoma state at or slightly ahead of oklahoma state at 14 and uh about double ou who comes in at seven 
It's fair. Oh, he's reigning Big 12 champions. you got to knock them off their perch right before you get to be ranked higher. I mean, I think the bowl game did a lot for that. I think people reevaluating, seeing some of the big bold predictions we talked about maybe coming true. And then again, um, they actually commented in their article that, uh, hey, Texas needs to win close games, which um, I'm glad someone outside of this podcast is uh, is, is noticing that. Uh, and, and fans obviously uh, noticed that. But six losses of, of less than a touchdown the past two seasons uh, is, is a tough pill to swallow. But we have Dicker the kicker, so uh, we're going to get some more. We keep saying that eventually those games have to go uh, <laughs> the other way, and one of them went well the other other way, but that's neither here nor there. So um, the last little bit of news, ESPN's uh, CFPI ranked the Big 12 as the toughest conference mm-hmm. in 2020, and it's kind of based upon the number of teams in the top uh, segment of their rankings. Yeah, they, they looked at kind of the overall, um, they gave them FPI scores, and they, they looked at the average of that, and then they looked at the average placing kind of in their power rank, ranking. Um, and and uh, there was only one really bottom feeder that they had, I think 95th uh, Kansas, and then the rest of the teams are in the top 45 of their their. Um, of their rankings in the country, which is, which is pretty impressive. That's, you know, in, in thinking of a West Virginia and a TCU bounce back this year, which a lot of people are predicting. Um, but it also, uh, the, the important part is the ranking was, you know, I think just a point or two, but still ahead of the sec, uh, not saying there's not power in the sec. Like we've always said, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, all very, very good teams. Auburn probably going to be a very good team, but there is just a steep, drop off once you get past the elite in the sec whereas the big 12 has a ton of parody and a ton of uh challenges which makes for a fun football season to watch and cover it may be nervous uh read the note we just made about having to win close games so uh if there is a football season this year uh there it could be a nervous one if if texas uh doesn't make that step up and, and keeps a lot of close games that go a touchdown either way could be uh could be a long and, and nerve uh, fracturing season. Texas has some things to prove, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see if football does happen, uh, if they can prove them this year. So let's go now, uh, Gerald, to uh, a segment where we're, we're moving up here. We shifted some things around this week. Uh, you know, you, you lost power. Uh, it's, it's, you know, time has no meaning, as we mentioned. So we're going to move Godzilla Tron up into this week's show, uh, into the Monday show, Tuesday show um i guess uh as as it is um and look at what we are watching the the segment the godzilla tron what are we watching on our big giant uh 300 foot home televisions and i just want to note before we dive into it there was a uh a a wink in a in a nod crystal conti tweet someone tweeted at him um that uh they're you know the video board in the renderings in the north uh in the uh, south end zone there uh could there potentially be one in the north end zone some fans in the east and west grandstands wouldn't be able to see the new jumbotron and he just gave a shush and a wink emoji which might mean more godzilla trons or godzilla tron 2.0 um that being said gerald what are you watching uh so i am watching my wife and i are still working through that that mcu rewatch uh so we watched thor i forgot how much i love the first thor movie it's like shakespeare uh with capes it's like it's so good. I mean, Kenneth Branagh directed it, like right. It's Anthony Hopkins. Hemsworth does a lot of heavy lifting. So does Tom Hiddleston. It's a really, really like surprisingly well acted uh, film from those guys. It's a little slow in some of the action sequences, um, 
but I absolutely love it. And then I'm actually reading. I'm trying to read more in the evenings. Uh, I was having some trouble falling asleep, so I found uh, I had, my Kindle had been in a drawer, so I got that bad boy charged by Kindle Paperwhite. Uh, and so I'm diving into a series um, called The Reckoners. And so uh, Brandon Sanderson is an author best known for, like, he does a lot of fantasy work, and he he cranks out a ton of books. The guy writes, like, three books a year. It's nuts. Good for him. Um, but he did a, a shorter series about... Um, what like what would really happen if superheroes were a thing in the world? And basically, long story short, they're all sociopaths. And so uh, it's a really it's it follows a group of uh, of regular humans that are basically trying to overthrow these sociopathic dictators uh, that just happen to have superpowers. So it's really uh, the first book is called Steelheart. I plowed through that pretty quickly, uh, and so now I'm, I just started the second book like last night uh, after the power came back on, and I sat in bed and grumbled about how it was warm in my house because my air conditioning hadn't been running for like two hours. <laughs> you know uh, the truest of first world problems, but really right now home comfort is. At the the utmost of importance because that's you know where we all are always probably where you're at listening to us thanks again for listening so me gerald i have as i mentioned uh been plowing through the sopranos with my wife um still uh got a, a ways to go because that is a monster to tackle um red dead redemption 2 is a uh, pretty close about to be my favorite game of all time i mean i love the first one second one has not disappointed i don't know if i'm let's say 25 percent uh, through the game and it's just beautiful and I just spend hours like riding through rich countrysides hunting big game uh, and some small game um, and just coming up with schemes and plots and it's just so beautiful and rich and well written and interesting and uh, it's just so much fun it's such a great great game and, and on the note of, of rich and interesting and well done things Gerald have you finished Last Dance? Uh, I have not actually so Ooh, I, okay, okay. I've, got a, I've got the last two episodes to watch I get the idea of savoring those. Maybe we'll give a quick take once we're both uh, up. I just finished the last one not long before we're recording this podcast, so it's it's weighing heavy on the heart. Um, the the finality of it, the thing that we all came together as a country to watch uh, in, in lieu of live sports. Um, but Last Dance, we'll, you'll get some Last Dance takes from us uh, soon enough, but I've uh, been watching that as well. But that's it for me. I mean, they've got the Lance Armstrong doc coming up. They've got the Bruce Lee doc coming yeah. up that looks real, real cool. And then they've Very got cool. the, uh, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire doc. So Sunday nights on ESPN are probably going to be a thing for a while. Yeah, taking it. Sorry, Game of Thrones. It's uh, Sunday nights have been repurposed. Uh, sorry, HBO. The the Game of Thrones slot that we all tune in to watch something now falls to 30 for 30 on ESPN. Game of Thrones. Ah, but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week so good friend of the show um new uh cedar ridge uh and round rock cedar ridge football uh, offensive line coach, shout out to to him. Coach Zajac texted uh, a, a question to me, and and I think it's serious enough that it merits discussion on the podcast. Gerald, I'm going to pose a question, then immediately answer it, but I will will appreciate and await your rejoinder at the end. Does Texas f- sports athletics, but football obviously, does Texas social media need a barbecue consultant? And let, let, let me give my take on, on that immediately because, uh, again, thank you for the question. Um, yes, the answer is definitively, without a doubt, 
Yes. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we are huge fans of, and, and we, uh, maybe, you know, we can use our, our immense connection with the university of Texas, uh, air quotes, um, to, to make this happen. But, you know, Forbes once ranked a, a barbecue pit master from the university of Texas, uh, Mr. Mr. Grant Pinkerton on their 30 under 30. I mean, come on. You have it right there. You have alums all over the place. We're doing Mount Rushmore's about various teams, but come on. I mean, you're, you're, you're Austin adjacent pitmasters. You're, you're UT related, even in Houston, uh, you know, barbecue aficionados. You have, you have the talent, you have the knowledge. Now I'm not saying that wasn't a healthy looking plate of barbecue that they threw out there for the whole world to see. Um, you know, maybe if you're on a diet and, and and that's what you're offered, but you're representing the great state of Texas, and and there is a stereotype that people have about this state, and it's that we ride horses and we park those horses, hitch them up. Maybe that's my Red Dead Redemption talking, but then we go inside that establishment and we get a plate overflowing with brisket, ribs, sausage. I'm not a, I'm not an anti sides guy. Throw that mac and cheese on there, but make it good mac and cheese. There better be some potato salad somewhere. Can we rectify that? Could I get a peach cobbler? I mean, is there a sweet tea anywhere to be found? What is going on? I, I, I looked at it. The, 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 I think draw was the little longhorn shaped outline. If you haven't seen this video, I'm sorry. You don't know what I'm talking about. You should watch it or maybe not. Don't watch um, it. And, and sprayed barbecue through a, a cutout to put uh, a longhorn, you know, shaped uh, barbecue sigil on top of, of, a, of a limp plate of, let's call it Luby's barbecue looking meat. Um, and really, if you think about that longhorn sign, similar to the way that Batman uh, was, his logo was projected into the sky as a call for help. Maybe that's what UT social media was actually doing. Help, help. Put out the call. Longhorn barbecue aficionados, help us. So Grant Pickerton, I know you listen to the show. Can you get in those DMs? Um, you know, can we get Mr. Uh, Franklin Barbecue, Aaron Franklin? Can can you help out your local your local team? Can we get uh, any of the Mueller family family of barbecuers? Can we get Truth Barbecue uh, out of Brenham and now Houston? Can we get any of these wonderful? There's a, like 300 that could be nipping at the top 50 we have a texas monthly barbecue editor who lives in austin texas just can we get some help on the barbecue casey stutter does barbecue that's right great. like that's i'm just good i'm you are you are way more diplomatic kyle than i am about to be <laughs> on this that looked like that dumb article that gets re like reposted on twitter every couple of months about brooklyn barbecue like <laughs> That mac and cheese looked like craft. I'm going to be real honest with you. And Stubbs is an Austin institution. I get it. Uh, but it's just, I, I, as, as somebody who likes to make their own barbecue sauce, it felt weird to see, uh, well, I mean, again, you can have different conversations about whether or not if the meat is good, you need sauce. But that's a whole other conversation to have. Like, you've got, you've got a famous national champion alum that makes barbecue, makes good barbecue. Call the brother. He looks like a pit master. Massive man, massive beard. Like get just get him on the horn. Just do it. He he brought he brought those plates of, of delicious, beautiful meat on the college game day, and I he has me sold. You're that's I forgot about Casey Stuttered, and that's your that's your in right there, guys. Come on, fix it. Get get the big the big nasty in there with a plate of beauties. Uh Casey Stuttered for, for UT barbecue aficionado social media guru. Uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on uh, Sam Acho and his and a social media presence. So uh, this came about 
he's been doing a lot on social media. He, he launched a new podcast. Uh, he's been, he was talking very openly about the CBA. Um, there's been a lot that he's been, uh, that he's been doing for, uh, for text. But today he was on uh, first take and they, they had him on as kind of an expert opinion for the proposed changes for the Rooney rule. And, um, there, there's a lot of conversation to be had about the Rooney rule and how and why it's effective. Again, I mentioned or how and why it may or may not be effective. I, I mentioned earlier I work in, in the HR and, and organizational development planning uh, space. And, and the fact that um, he's being seen as an expert voice, I think, is, is really what I want to talk about. Because the guy is so, so stinking smart. Um, and it's just... We, we often talk about what starts here changes the world, and like that is exemplary of it. Where a guy like Sam Acho can go on, and whether or not you agree with his take, whether or not you agree with his stance, but Stephen A. Smith is shutting up and listening to, to Sam Acho. And it takes a lot for Stephen A. Smith to stop screaming. So the fact that he literally just said, so how would you change the rule? And then shut up and listen while Sam Acho talked about it, was great. And again, I don't think his solution is perfect either. I don't think there is until you solve human natural biases because everybody carries them. There is no perfect way to hire people. Uh, again, that's what I do for a living is, is I try to help with that. But like there is no perfect system. But the fact of the matter is he's seen as an expert voice and, and it just it continues to speak to um, that what starts here really does change the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. Um, you know, you're looking at a kid who got a degree in, in the, the BHP program, an unbelievably distinguished program at the University of Texas, um, won the, the Dratty Award. The academic Heisman has been a uh, statesman representing the players' union during his time in his career. He always had um, ideas and opinions and things that he was going to share. If he chooses to, you know, be a, a personality in the future and um, take to media, then then sports media would be better for it. Um, if he has other things and he's an occasional commentator, that's probably the best route for the guy because um, he could probably go out and you know solve a lot of the world's issues because he's he's smart and he, he people will listen to him. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you ask me to draw up uh, the ideal uh, person to represent, you know, the, the values of this podcast in the sense of we stress the student and the athlete and the making a difference in the uh you know uh go be excellent in all those both parts of that word doesn't get any better than than sam acho and you know manny acho we've had some things to say about but he's also a smart guy for sure knows how to work it but uh sam just so measured so uh intelligent and i and i think you know who knows maybe because of some of the things he said there may be some changes that actually come at some point someday in the future but nonetheless just uh the fact that it's his voice and it's a longhorn voice and in a the, the right Longhorn voice, a guy who's earned the, the stage to be able to do that, um, I think is awesome. And I can't wait to see what's what's in the future for that guy. I am excited to see it. He was up for like Players Union president, right? Like that's how respected and renowned uh, Sam Acho is. That's all we've got for you this week. Just one show this week. We're coming to you a day late. And so we'll uh, just go ahead and cap it at one for the week, Kyle. So if people need you between now and Tuesday – where can they find you on the internet? Oh, man, you could follow me at Kyle Carpenter on the Twitter machine. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. 
gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll see you on Tuesday. And until then, hook them. Hook them. Please get the, the burnt ends of the brisket.